0: Some of y'all looked at me funny when I said stand for the reading of God's word. We just stood up for an hour and a half in worship and y'all was like, why am I standing? I'm going to tell you why. In the book of Nehemiah, I feel it, the need to, to, to read this. Nehemiah chapter chapter 8. I'm going to just read this and you will see why we stand for the reading of God's word. It is an act of worship, but listen to why they stood. And it says, now the people gathered together as one man in an open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book. Somebody say, "Bring bring the book. We've been bringing the book of Philippians. Amen. The book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of the men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it from the opening of the square in front of the water gate. I love that water gate. From the morning until midday, we write along line with scripture. From the morning to midday. I promise to have you out before midnight. Amen. Before the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book. So Ezra described stood on the platform of wood. Yeah, we in line with scripture. I'm standing on a platform of wood, amen, which they had made for the purpose. And besides him, the, let's, let's go down to uh, verse 5. And it says, Ezra opened up the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he had opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. We bless the Lord by reading his word, amen. And then all the people answered, amen. And if you only said it one time, y'all see us up there twice. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Amen. Amen. And they bowed their heads in worship with their head, with their, to the Lord and with their faces to the ground. This is why we stand for the reading of God's word. Amen. So we write along in scripture. This morning, we want to continue with Philippians, um, the fourth chapter we're going to be discussing how to navigate through persecution or tribulation or adversity with joy. Anybody have any tribulation or adversity in your life? I'm the only one. So listen, I'm talking to me. I'm going to preach myself happy. Amen. The Lord is doing a mighty work just to recap, we started out with Jonathan about six weeks ago, I believe, and he said that there was three things about the book of Philippians that we ought to pay attention to. Number one was partnership. Partnership between Paul and the people, the partnership between the people and Paul and the partnership between God and his church. Amen, y'all remember that? He was talking about koinonia, being in fellowship one with another. The next pe- uh, major theme was the gospel how the gospel is to be preached amen meaning that Jesus is Lord and at that day it was the Caesar that was Lord but they had to change their minds to understand that Jesus is Lord does somebody agree with that and then the part that we'll be dealing with today is joy in hardship Paul rejoiced even when he was in prison we're going to deal with that today amen And then Pastor Jade he brought forth the next three messages, and he taught us that Paul was not so much focused on what he was going through, but he was focused on what is God doing in the midst of this adversity? His eyes were fixed upon him. The scriptures tell us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. It didn't say look to Jesus. It said looking, that means it's a continual gaze upon him, amen? So Paul, his stance was looking unto Jesus. He told us about what was going on in his life, but he showed us how to walk through it, amen? And then the messages also, he taught us about being of the same mind. Don't have division amongst ourselves, but having that common denominator. Y'all remember the common denominator? And the common denominator is, is Jesus, looking unto him. Amen. And then we had Pastor David with in the Lord. And this is where I'm gonna pick up. It's just awesome that uh, he stayed, he stayed on that message last week. We had children in here running all over the place yelling. I don't know. I don't, it would have been like squirrel for me because they was doing some things up in here. They was running all over the place, but he stayed on it and he preached that word. And we're talking about rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. So, Pastor Jade also showed us some study uh, habits that we should do when we're reading the books. He said, number one, you should practice observation, meaning that what's going on in the whole entire theme of the book. And then you should practice interpretation. What is happening? How, how, do, how, how is God wanting to speak to us? And then you should practice application. Do you remember that? applying it to our lives and allowing the Holy Spirit to navigate it in us so that we can operate in what we've learned in the scriptures. But even in these scriptures, I found that Paul, he said that he was a Pharisee. And these Pharisees were um, taught. They were taught and they were, they were on a higher level of, of thinking. They were the strictest set, set amongst uh, the, the Israelites there and they tried to hold fast to it. But I noticed something. With these study practices, I went back for myself and just kind of looked at the book of Philippians a different way. And one thing that I found here in Philippians chapter 1, if you go to Philippians chapter 1, you know, I, I was used to hearing scriptures turning, but I forget we have the text on our phones. And that makes it really, really quiet in here. Sometimes you hear the scriptures turning, you know, you hear that noise. and You're like, okay, they they getting there. And then we also... You know, have it on the screen as well. So I got to get used to that stuff. And it says, "Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ." Notice this: to to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And these two verses of scriptures, he has changed the order of. Jesus Christ and Lord. Did y'all notice that? See, I don't think that Paul just did that haphazardly. Because Paul, when he writes, he's very specific. He speaks to a certain theme. He's very strategic in his writing. And I noticed that if he puts Jesus first, he's talking about our deliverer. Jesus is the one that delivers us. If he puts Christ first, he's talking about our developer. He develops us. He matures us. So when he says Christ Jesus, our Lord, look for some development. Look for some things to shape our character. Amen. And then if he says Lord first, he's talking about our director. Did y'all get that? Our director. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me and guides me. He's our director. Amen. If he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about our savior. If he's saying Christ, he's our sanctifier. The one who sanctifies us. And matures us, amen? And if he's talking about Lord, he's sovereign. He's in charge. He got it all under control. So Paul was just strategic in how he shaped that thing. And this is awesome to me. So now when I read, I read with more intention. I understand that I need to apply some things to my life. Hallelujah. So today, in the book of Philippians, and I don't have a whole lot of time, so I'm going to suck up all the time before midnight comes, amen? And we're going to talk about how Paul, what was his view through this persecution? We learned that he was in prison, in Caesar's household, in prison. But Paul had a different view of persecution. Now, I'm not talking about prosecution, but this can probably work in prosecution. Do y'all know the difference between persecution and prosecution? I know you do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Prosecution is the right you receive for the wrong you have done. Speeding on I-25, you know it says 75 miles an hour, but you go 100, and that police officer pulled behind you, yeah, you about to be prosecuted. Don't say that you was persecuted, amen? You about to be prosecuted. (laughs) Let your foot off the gas. Persecution. Persecution is the wrong you receive for the right you have done. So here we have Paul who is being persecuted. And he shows us how to navigate through persecution. And I'm going to give you a bunch of R's. Every point that I have begins with the letter R. So you can write that down. It's going to start with R. Now I got about a thousand of them, but I don't have time for all of them. But one thing that I want to encourage us is that we need to do things The way God designs us to do things. The Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Why? Because we are new creatures, new creations in God. There are times when things come up in my life. I look at that old man and that old man begins to raise up. That heart begins to palpitate. That noise begins to come out of that vocal cord and it begins to be loud and obnoxious. I'm the only one that's like that. When pressure comes upon me, I like to go back to that old man. But we got to bury that old man, amen, and stop reviewing the old man's dead bones. We we, we are new in Christ. He is our life, amen. So the first thing that we see here, and I'm going to read, and that's Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice So the first thing that Paul shows us here is that in the midst of our adversity, we are to rejoice. I know a lot of times that can be hard for us because we got our eyes on what's happening around us. And when we place our eyes on what's happening around us, a lot of times we can't see the Lord or we won't look on the Lord. But he says rejoice in the Lord. He gives us the focus of who to rejoice in. And that is in the Lord. Remember, I told you he is our director. See, I believe Paul understood this because it was when Paul and Silas was persecuted. Why? They cast out a demon out of a young lady and she was following them, talking about this is the way, these are the men to take us to righteousness. And it grieved him in his spirit and he turned around and spoke to it and cast him out. And you know, they threw him in jail for casting out a devil. If that ain't persecution, I don't know what is. But they were in jail, locked up. But while they were locked up, what happened? They began to sing praises at midnight. They began to rejoice in the Lord at midnight. What's midnight for you? Is it in jail? Is it in circumstances of tribulation? They began to rejoice in the Lord. And notice what happened. Their bonds were broken. The, lo- the earthquake took place and the whole jail was open. I think that is awesome that they rejoiced before they were freed. Oh, come on now. This is awesome stuff. And I'm not talking about stuff that I don't know about. I'm talking about I have been going through persecution and I'm still rejoicing in the Lord. And I'm telling you, I'm watching chains break off of things. I'm watching situations just turn around. It was Jehoshaphat. Y'all know who I'm talking about. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, what happened? He had three armies coming up against him. Three armies coming against him. The Bible says that he stood still and fixed himself to do what? Seek the Lord. And when he sought the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, said, stand still and see the salvation of your Lord. And this is the thing that really perplexed me with this whole story. When you go on and read it for yourself, you'll find out that when they were getting ready to go to battle, they put the singers up front you singers y'all get ready can you imagine they didn't they didn't they didn't put the people who had the armor on or the weapons up front they put the singers up front and the bible says that when they begin to sing that lord the lord set up ambushments all around so much so that the armies begin to fight amongst themselves See, a lot of times we don't have to put on our physical battle clothes to go to war. All we have to do is review what the Lord is already doing. Oh, come on. Somebody in here shout for the Lord. We're talking about rejoicing in the Lord. That's how Paul got through it. He said, I'm going to fix my gaze upon him. The next thing it says right here is... Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What are we talking about here? Let your gentleness be known. I'm in the midst of tribulation. I'm in the midst of, you know, hardship and adversity. How can I allow my gentleness or my moderation to be known to all men? How can I do that? Don't you see what I'm going through? No, but he says, let your gentleness be known. So what does that mean? When situations come to us, are we brawlers? Is that what we're known as? Are we known to respond like really, really quick and say some sharp things because of the pain that we're dealing with? I believe that Paul, when he was looking at this, he was thinking about Stephen, the one who was stoned for the gospel. Y'all remember Stephen in the book of Acts? Stephen stood up and they looked upon his face and he looked like an angel. This guy is about to be reasonable. That's your second R. Be reasonable. They looked upon Stephen, and he began to reflect on the different things that they all agreed with. And then it came a a time and point when their hearts were cut because he called them a stiff-necked people. And they gnashed upon him with his teeth, and they ran upon him, and they took him and threw him out of the city. And when they threw him out of the city, they began to stone him. Now, when you're getting stoned, if it's literally or with words, what comes out of us? Whatever's in us. Whatever's in you is going to come out. You know, when you stub that little pinky toe. Yeah, something about that pinky toe. It sends something up you that just... Ugh. And it makes whatever in you come out of you. Just listen to your words. I'm the only one who stuck my pinky toe. You know. How long has that table been there? Man. (laughs) But what's in you will come out of you. So what was in Stephen? What came out of him? Reasonableness or gentleness or moderation came out of him. Because what did he do? He said, I see the Lord standing at the right hand of the father. So his gaze was perfectly pitched upon the father. The next thing he does as he is getting stoned, he says, don't lay this sin on them for they know not what they do. He sounds like his leader. He sounds like Jesus when he was being crucified. What was in him? That's what came out of him because he was committed to this thing all the way up until he was dying. He didn't say something rash or hard. He didn't say, Lord, destroy them, bring fire down on them, cause blindness, break the teeth out their mouth. That might be my prayer, but that's not what he said. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? He said, lay this sin not at them. So Stephen had, he had reasonableness on the inside of him because he had his gaze fixed upon him. But see, it also says the Lord is at hand. And many times you can think this means that God is coming back. And that may very well be what it means. But the Lord opened up my eyes to a little thing that I saw here. So we have Stephen. He says that when he looked up in heaven, he saw the Lord standing. If my child or my son is being persecuted, prosecuted, in tribulation or whatever the case may be, and he's being stoned and I'm standing there watching it, just say the word. Just say the word. I believe Jesus was waiting on him to just say the word. Whatever he said, whatever he was going to say, but he didn't say that. What he did was he exuded love. He said, lay this not at their feet. Sometimes when we're going through hardship, the Lord loves us so much that he will move on our behalf immediately. But we have to be careful on what we say. We have to be careful on what we declare unto other people who are people of righteousness and who are people who God loves. Oh, this this something else right here. We can't be rash with our mouths. We have to control this little member inside of our tongue and our mouth called our tongue. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Stephen didn't do that. And I believe Paul was thinking about that. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. What's in you going to come out? So let's get it out. Get it out now. Put some good stuff in there. Amen. You know, I got to say this too, all right. So you won't know. If I'm talking about you or whatever, just lift them up. Lift your eyebrows up. It makes your face smile and I won't know. (laughs) Amen. But he said, let your reasonableness or your gentleness or moderation be known to all men. After he said what he said, the Bible says even when he was getting stoned, he just fell asleep. I imagine that the Lord just wrapped him in a cocoon and was like, you're not going to feel none of this, son. You've done exactly what I've wanted you to do. You've displayed the, the, the Christ's life unto all these people. And I believe that that's stained on Paul. I believe it so much that when Paul was knocked off of his horse, the Lord asked him, how can you kick against these pricks? What was the pricks? Something he saw, something he realized. Something that people were following even unto death. And he was at the he was at the hand of it. The people laid down their coats at the one called Saul, who we know is Paul. Paul was bad back then, boy, I tell you. He was something else. So notice this: it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Somebody should be shouting in here. If you're going through something, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. But notice this, it says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. When situations come up in our life, you don't have to react right away. Responding and reacting is two different things. Reacting is just it's just out there. I have res, I have reacted in such a way that it, it I've always felt as if I have done something wrong when I go back and look in on it. That regret because I reacted to a situation. Sometimes my wife tells me I'm too slow at moving that stuff. But I've learned that when I move too fast, sometimes I make the wrong decisions. I say the wrong things, and I'm telling you, when words come out of our mouth, you can't suck them back in. I'm sorry. Especially if they went in somebody else's ears. I wish I had that too. Let me suck that back. up. <laughs> but you can't do it. You can't do it. But be anxious for nothing. I believe that the Lord is telling us here to relax. Rejoice. Be reasonable. Relax. Just relax. Why are we relaxing? For our, our gaze is upon him. Our gaze is upon him. There's only one in the world who has the power and the right to come in like a mighty Russian wind, and it ain't me. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that has the right to come in like a mighty Russian wind. So relax. God got this. Oh, come on, y'all. God got this thing. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to read this for you. It says, 3 verse 25, it says, be not afraid of sudden fear. Don't be afraid of it. When you hear something, don't let fear grip your heart. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. Notice this, verse 26, it says, for the Lord shall be thy confidence. Somebody say, the Lord is my confidence. Oh, y'all got to say it like you believe it. The Lord is my confidence. And shall keep your foot from being taken. Do y'all see that? Don't be afraid of sudden fear. When we're listening to the news, sudden fear just grips your heart. and all of a sudden you're scared. I got to get some canned goods or some bullets. <laughs> Need to go get change and put it in my safe. I mean, fear just grips our hearts. Because it's sudden. And it's explosive. And it's like we're gazing upon that fear. But take your eyes off of that and just relax. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Is this all right? Anybody learn anything this morning? Amen. Matthew chapter 10. The Lord tells us what to do when we'll be taken up in persecution. If you look at Matthew 10 verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council and scourge you in the synagogues. They'll scourge you in the churches. You know, some of the the most damaging places that we damage people is in the house of the Lord. We look at people not even how God looks at people. We look at outer appearances and we can damage people by a tongue. Jesus told us this right here. When they deliver you up in the synagogue, verse 18, and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now your life is on display as a testimony. What's going to come out of us? What's going to come out of us when we get pressured in, in the trials and tribulations? But when they deliver you up, he's telling us the key. Do not worry about how or what you should speak. He tells us, don't worry. Just relax. He got it. I mean, you got to practice this, what I'm talking about. You got to practice rejoicing. You got to repent. You know, sometimes even when we're talking about gentleness, sometimes we premeditate what we're going to say before we get in a situation. No, I I take that back. Sometimes I premeditate what I'm going to say before I get in the situation. We having an argument. I ain't even listening to what you're saying. I'm about to wait till you finish. And I'm ready to jump in like it's jump rope. You know, I'm just, I'm waiting. Waiting for that rope to come over and I'm ready to jump in. Before we even know what they're talking about, before we even hear anything, we, we just speak it out. Well, take that back. I just speak it out. I don't want nobody to get mad at me up in here. Y'all should see y'all faces. Oh, my good. Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Notice what it says here. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given unto you that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. That's what in us right there. That's what in us. Now, brother will deliver brother to death and father, his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death as persecution. Hallelujah. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. You can rejoice in that. Be delivered at the at the end of this thing, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. So relax, rejoice, reasonable, relax. Now the next stage, it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. As you look at these stages of how we do things, he's telling you to request after all these things have been taken care of request unto the Lord. He's going to answer you, but we don't want to be rash with our prayers. Like I told you before, break their teeth out their mouth. You know, and these prayers, I don't know, that's what, you know, sometimes come out of me, you know. Lord, I don't like what they're doing, break their teeth, I mean. (laughs) Cause fire to come down from heaven, show me something, you know. I know you're on my side, but, you know. Help me out in this thing. But he tells us through everything, through prayers and supplication and thanksgiving be given to all men. Now, like this, you know, Paul, like I said before, he's strategic in how he tells us things. He tells us this order, but he changes the order in Timothy just a little bit. And I'm going to show it to you what I'm talking about. But he tells us to pray, then supplicate, and then thanksgiving in that order. Do y'all see that? Prayer, supplication, then thanksgiving. Prayer is, he's allowing us through this persecution to get it out. To make our petition known unto him. Supplication is seeking what he wants for us to pray. (laughs) So it's kind of backwards just a little bit because go to uh, 1 Timothy. I want you to look at 1 Timothy here. Chapter 2. I'm almost done here. I hope we're getting something out of this. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 2 one through verse three and it says I exhort thee therefore that first of all supplication there's the order first supplication DCs to get what God wants for us to pray when I wake up in the morning and I get on my face before the Lord I say Lord your servant is here speak Lord I hear we learned that in the Lord's prayer we learned that seek the face of the Lord first Then we make our prayers known unto God. See, that's the order. First, supplication. Then prayers. Then intercessions. Then thanksgiving be given to all men. He shows us that order because that's the right way to do things. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Instead of what I want you to do, God, in this situation. Yeah, I know. That's only me. That's only me. So, this point right here is just request let your request be made known unto the Lord amen yeah y'all getting a bunch of R's here hallelujah you know I, uh, I spent 23 years in the military and um, I think I said it before but I stayed a certain rank for 7 years and in that time frame, I had my subordinates becoming my superiors. Boy, you're talking about a humbling experience. And, but it was all due to pride. It was all due to prosecution versus persecution. I wasn't in trouble, but I was very, very prideful. And the Lord had to show me seven years on how to get out of that stuff. I wasn't stable in my mind. I was better than everybody. I could do this better than them. I don't know how they got promoted. you know. Just mad. I was probably the meanest sergeant on the planet. Just walking around people finding things that was wrong with them. There was no reasonable in me. You better come straight. Your boots better be shined. (laughs) You better have starch on your uniform. What's wrong with you? Coming here looking like that. And that was my take on how I was. I say was, now It's not me now. But it took me seven years to get to just practice what I'm teaching today. Seven years to just learn that. I'm praying that it don't take seven years for us to get it. Seven years to, to learn how to be humble. To learn how to be reasonable. To rejoice in the Lord through adversity. How long will it take us to do that? Amen. The next point we have here, if I can find my place, and it says, verse 7 of Philippians 4, it says, Then, after you have done all these things, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, Christ Jesus. That's development has taken place. You learn how to rejoice in the Lord. You learn how to rest in what he's doing. You learn how to to praise him and look upon him. You've been developed on the inside. Now you can rest. That's what it is, rest. Because he says this peace is going to be upon you. One instance with this, though, and what you have to realize is that that's where your fight is. Your fight is remaining in the state of rest. Because I'm telling you, all kind of things are going to come against you while you're in your place of rest to pull you out of that place of rest. You have to remain there. You have to stay focused on him. And that's what's going to keep you in that place of rest. That's what's going to keep us in that place of rest. You know, uh, my son Jordan is in the house today. And I got to tell a story about Him. Because, you know, we, we, we have stories about our children. And since I got the microphone, I'm going to tell it. And I'm talking about resting and being peaceful in the Lord, okay? So Jordan was very, very little. He was about five or six or so. And he, he just did what he wanted to do. And uh, his grandmother had a treadmill in her living room. And uh, he would get on the treadmill. You hear one, and you say, Jordan, get off the treadmill. Okay, Dad. And he'll run in there, right? And he'll get off, and then three minutes later, just like any child, they go back on the treadmill and they run in. Jordan, <clears throat> you know, I was a sergeant back then, so my voice was a little Jordan. Get off the treadmill, son, or boy, or whatever I called him then. And he would get off. And then he'll go back to the treadmill again. I'm like, what is wrong with this boy? I thought I said get off the treadmill. Maybe I wasn't strong enough. And what? Well, now I got to pull out, you know. Jordan, get off the treadmill, boy. You know, it then got a little more aggressive and a little, you know, more stern. And he gets off. And then he gets back on and you hear this commotion. Bam. Yeah, he then fell off the treadmill. And when he fell off the treadmill, we go in there, and listen, guys, it was blood everywhere. He had knocked a gash in the back of his head about an inch and a half long. I mean, blood everywhere. Sudden fear, huh? Yeah, it's just coming out all over the place. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Get a towel. Come, you know, we're moving. You know, we're supposed to be trained for that type of stuff in the military. No, doc, now, Doc, when it comes to your children, it's like you just move, you just ah, you know, you're trying to get whatever you can, so we're rushing, we' pressing this hit, you know you know to keep pressure on you know wounds or whatever. I'm, I'm at least keeping some pressure on there or something, right, And we're driving, and I'm speeding now. I don't care about prosecution. It's time to get to the hospital. And we go to the—we're we going to the hospital, and we get to the gate. We, we live by a military base. You know, we're going to go to the military hospital. Get by the gate, and the line is as long as it can be. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with these people? Get out the way. My son's head is bleeding. It's bleeding. It got—I mean, it's just—we got white towels, y'all. They don't make it no better. We got white towels out here, and it's just full of blood. And, I, and, and I'm rushing, and I'm getting angry. I'm starting to, you know, just— be anxious about a whole lot of stuff and I hear the spirit of the Lord he just spoke to me he was like when you gonna pray he said when you gonna pray when you gonna seek me on this issue and I'm telling you it changed how I saw everything when you gonna pray how long are you gonna go through this situation without inviting me into it when are you gonna pray and I speak the truth and I lie not. At that moment, everything just kind of stood still. And I began to lay hands on my son and I prayed for him. And when I prayed for him, I'm telling you the truth. There was no more blood. He still had the hole in his head. But, but there was no blood coming out. We get to the emergency room. And they hand me all these papers to fill out. I'm like, don't y'all see the hole in his head? (laughs) I'm telling the truth, (laughs) y'all. You know how it is. It's supposed to be emergency, man. What? I fill out all these papers. He running around jumping on everything like nothing happened. (laughs) He'll tell you he jumping. I'm like, man, sit down somewhere before you open the hole back up, you know. But the point is, is true. We go through things, we hear things, we see things, and the first thing we do is we move out so quick. When are you going to pray? When are you going to invite the Lord in? When are you going to fix your gaze upon him? We say and we sing, we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. But do we do it in the midst of adversity? When 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 we're supposed to do it, do we do it? Our life is on display, y'all. And if you don't know the Lord, you can. And you should. Because there's a rest that I can't even explain. There's a rest that comes over you when you're in the midst of adversity. And I'm telling you, this can work for prosecution too. Yeah, it can. You rejoice in the Lord. Lord, I was wrong. Amen. I was speeding. Go in there and talk to the judge. <laughs> Go in there and talk to the judge. Hey, judge. This is not normally me. I normally don't speed. I was going downhill and it just got away from me. Well, that's what brakes are for. (laughs) Well, can I get some mercy? Yeah, I take $10 off. All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm the only one, right? Yeah, I be asking for mercy. I'll tell you, Lord. But we can rest in him, in that peace that surpasses all understanding. All we have to do is just offer it up unto him. Let him be your first thought instead of what you're seeing going on around you. Because it was Peter. He was the only one other than Jesus that walked out on that water. And when he did, the enemy caught his attention and turned his eyes off of who he was supposed to be looking at, which was Jesus. And he looked at the waves and the winds and everything going around him. Keep your eyes firm focused on him. That's what Paul was saying here in Philippians. And one way that we can keep our eyes focused on him is this next part here. And I'm still trying to find my place here. Thank God I remembered them scriptures, right? And that is Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And it says, finally, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, think on things that are true. Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Rehearse those things to meditate, to roll it over in your mind constantly. Because I'm telling you, this world is dark and it's filled with distractions. It's filled with things that take your gaze and put it on it instead of the Lord. It's designed to do that. But I'm telling you to focus in, meditate on him, roll these things around in your mind. If anything negative come up, hey, is it noble? Is it true? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it praiseworthy? If it's not, don't think on those things. Don't meditate on them. Meditate on these things over and over in your mind. And then after you've done all of these R's, repeat it all over again. Just do it all over again. But the one thing that we have to start out with is rejoicing in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what I have for you this morning. And I pray that you was was encouraged about this, um, how Paul takes us through persecution. How he takes us through. And he takes us through through rejoicing. We have to rejoice in the Lord. Amen?